and thank you for joining us for another episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. People like me, Michelle Kane with Voice Matters, and my wonderful co-host, Karen Swim of Solo PR Pro. But today we are joined by a guest. We are joined by Axel Eberman. He is a communication strategist and organizer who focuses on emerging technology in public policy and we have him here because he's an incredible visual storyteller and he's going to speak on deep fakes and all of that good and not so good stuff. Welcome Axel. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. We're very excited too. I'm so so Axel and I connected uh via PRSA and you've done some fascinating research on deep fakes. Tell us a little bit about that. So I um, have a background in filmmaking. I used to be a news reporter. Mm-hmm. I was a war reporter. I uh, was a documentary director for a long time. And uh, wow. I also worked in advertising. So as far as communication is concerned, the visual aspect of it is very dear to my heart, obviously, because that's where I come from. And I also have a technical background from uh, filmmaking. And so I looked at what is coming up in terms of deep fake and deep fakes in synthetic media. Right. And I saw that whenever I talked to fellow communicators about this, I got like a very big stare and I'm like, "Mm, Mm. yeah. Um, And you either they had never heard of it or they didn't know what to do with it or they couldn't really conceptualize what it would mean for them. So as part of a master's degree, I did a research study, a pretty extensive research study to actually find out like how prepared are communicators for deepfake and synthetic media. That was a survey. I uh, followed that up with interviews to get a little bit more flavor. And let's put it this way, the report, uh, the, the results were not really good, right? Um, I interviewed uh, a number of people from nonprofit think tanks, Fortune 500 companies, and you have VPs of communication from five Fortune 500 companies who have had never heard of the term. They really didn't know what it was. Right. I also interviewed some experts uh, to basically tech experts to contrast it. And um, it became very clear that there's a huge discrepancy between Mm -hmm. where the tech folks are and what they understand and where the communicators are. The communicators, a lot of communicators still think they're the guys with the typewriters. Right. And we write a news release. Right. And that goes out. But if you look how communication has evolved. Right. It's like visual communication is very strong right now and it's growing as a proportion of communication overall. And yeah, so if you're basically going on the cutting edge, to the cutting edge of what is done there, there seems to be a lot of lack in education and um, a necessity to act. And that is what what basically came out of that study. Wow. That's you know, amazing. Yeah. And one of the things that you said is, and, and I think this is something that we need to explore more as a profession, is that we've always treated visuals as an asset of communications, but not seeing it as a rich communication medium and one that deserves to be treated just like all the other communication channels in terms of um, verifying authenticity and, you know, what we're truly communicating and protecting, you know, brand reputation. We, we just really think of it as an asset in most cases. I mean, we understand how a visual helps to tell a story, but I think that it's, 
we have to evolve our thinking and how we think of visual storytelling and really become more proficient at it. And then understand that just as we're battling mismal and disinformation with printed medium and, and even digital channels and social, that we are battling that same thing with visuals as well. That's so and true. I think what I think what is happening there too, and and that's where I'm kind of lucky because you know, I, I come from a, a video and filmmaking background. Yeah. Um, is that it is complicated, right? It's a whole different skill set and a whole different language. And I think there is a we always avoid things that we feel like we don't have a good handle on, right? So I think the uh, industry as a whole could actually be further, but I see a lot of people avoiding it, right? They're like, oh, this video stuff, right? And then you have to deal with cameras and microphones and all that stuff, right? A lot of people are simply afraid of it, right? There's a certain bias just to avoid it, right? And and the tendency to be like, oh, no, I'd rather write something, right? Because I know how to do that right right and, but i think we cannot afford to do that anymore no. as communicators no no and I, I love what you said about you know we're we're used to typing words but we need to keep in mind that everything communicates you know from a from a facial expression at a big meeting your client is communicating so let's break it down to the deep fake and synthetic media 101 can you just explain yeah what they are to our audience, just so we can make sure we're, we're all getting in at the ground level on the same page. 100%. So just to pedal back just a little bit is image manipulation, right, is not something that is new, right? We all know the term photoshopped, right? We That's part of our vocabulary. We kind of expect that, right? And that is something also where that has evolved, right? When Photoshop came out, everybody thought it would be the end of the veracity of images, right? And and the real story is a little bit more complicated, right? We have learned to look at pictures that way, right? We know they could be fake, but most of them are not, right? And so people have become educated and it's, it's not black and white, right? It became a nuanced gray area where communicators know how to deal with photoshopped images and that is something most probably where the video world also will have to go and um, i'm going to show a quick example here right so this is a picture of the dictator russian dictator stalin and whenever somebody fell out of favor and they ended up in the gulag um, he had just somebody remove him from the official images that was very time consuming right it was literally an art form right you had people who would sit there and they would scrape off material from the photographic plates and paint it in, right? It is incredible. And um, you couldn't really do that at scale, right? Stalin could do that, but it's not that somebody would just flood the market with that. So now if we, video is substantially harder, right? Because you're not dealing with one frame, you're dealing with 24 frames a second usually, and every single one would have to be retouched. And um, people do that. I have an example here. that is from the Black Swan movie with Natalie Portman. And they did facial replacement here. That's Natalie Portman. And you see all the ballerinas in the left. And they replaced all their faces with Natalie Portman's face, right? And that is, you can do that um, if you're in Hollywood and you are ready to spend a couple of million dollars just on this one shot, right? It is very, very time consuming and very expensive. But what has changed with deep fakes is that um, somebody came up with artificial intelligence um, algorithms that can do that for you, that you can train. And you don't need a Hollywood studio anymore, right? You can do that on a laptop and you can 
go online and you can download the software for free. It doesn't cost anything. And if you're a little bit computer literate, you just train that codec and it gets better and better and better and spits out photorealistic deepfakes. And um, New York University did a test, right? And they took people who had never done it before and gave them the platform and took most of them about four hours to make one. It was that quick, right? And that was about five months ago. And this field evolved so quickly yeah. um, that by now it's most priority different. Wow. And just to make a distinction, so there's deep fakes, right? Deep fakes are video clips where you basically show people do or say something that they really didn't say or do. Synthetic media is the bigger envelope. Basically, it's anything in terms of media that is computer generated by artificial intelligence co uh, codecs. That could be speech, right? Voice, recorded voice. I could take the voice from you from this podcast, feed it into a computer, and then I could make you say whatever I want to, and nobody would know the difference. It could be, um, there, in, in the last months, there were phenomenal advances in, in text-to-speech. Basically, you just type simple? something. If you see here, so this is text-to-speech. This is a software, it's called Dull E. You just type in something, and here people type in just some absurd stuff, like, I don't know, a photo of a corgi dog riding a bicycle with sunglasses in the middle of Times Square. And it gives you a photorealistic depiction of that. And uh, what else do we have here? This person does not exist, right? There's a webpage. You can go on there. It's called thispersondoesnotexist.com. And every time you refresh the browser, it makes new pictures of people who don't exist, the computer just has learned how to make. So if you look at the uh, the young kid, there's an artifact on the hair that doesn't look quite right. But the other guys, you wouldn't know that they're not real, right? And 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 they have the computers have glitches, right? But that is basically because this is not even supervised. It's just a web page, right? And if you look at it, this is from a university. This is the core thing how it works. Um, so you basically have one frame from a source i could basically just pull a frame from you from this uh, uh video podcast and then drive it with my head movement and apply it to pretty much any painting any person and i can do that in real time right so just to introduce a little you know twilight zone moment how do you know this is even me right <laughs> No, I mean, this is going to yeah, be a right. implication. You're right. right? Um, okay. So I, I've, I've read articles <laughs> that they that companies, and that is also where communication comes in, right? Yeah. Companies and HR departments have received fake job applications, right, of people who simply don't exist. And they just flood their HR, maybe to troll them, maybe to test it, right? But they, they, the computer writes entire bios and generates fake images. LinkedIn had a huge problem um, and they cracked down on it a little bit that they had thousands and thousands of profiles of people that simply didn't exist and they look 100% real, right? And video will catch up. So right now, like the model I just showed you, I could just... I could just use that. And if I train it enough by now or in a couple of months, it would be good enough mm -hmm. um, that I could just have a different face talk to you, right? And you wouldn't know. You would never know. And just just a quick uh, thing. And so the, the, the genius of and, and the new thing about these deep fakes is how they're created, right? You, would, you, you had to do this all by hand. And by now, the computer does it for you, right? 
And it's basically GAN networks. It's a fancy term. It's called generative adversarial networks, right? And what they do is you have two networks that work against each other, right? So the first network says, this is an image of Axel. I just made this for you. And it looks terrible, right? And the second network is a discriminator. It says, no, that doesn't look like Axel at all, right? Then the, the second and says, because of A, B, and C. Then the first network says, oh, let me do this better. Sends another image back. The second, and, and if you do this a billion times, right? At one point, the discriminator will say, yeah, this is Axel. I don't see a difference anymore. But it is fully automated, right? And that is the genius of that. And that works with images, that works with voice, that works with uh, video, right? And it's fully automated. And that is also the big difference. You don't have to do that stuff manually anymore. And of course, we have this incredible distribution platform of the internet, right? It's like, I, if I create something like that, I can literally roll it out at scale at zero cost right now. All I need to do is put it out. Enragement is engagement. If I basically uh, have something that is really slanderous or really horrible, right? The internet giants will do all the work for me. They will pick this up and distribute it. And this is why deepfakes and synthetic media is something that we do need uh, to pay attention to because the access is going to be much easier. It, you can do it at almost no cost by now. And uh, the distribution platform is biased to push this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is all scarier than a Jordan Pill movie. And now nope. I'm, I'm just going to be walking around like I trust nothing. Oh. But kind of cool because I would not hate a robot version of me to stand in and do a whole bunch of stuff and just... Like, take all my meetings, robot Karen. You, you can have it. And I will go do other stuff with my time. But yeah. so I think the big question for me is as a communicator, and I'm I'm aware that this exists, I do try to look at photos and, and be discerning and I take information with a grain of salt and try to research it. But as a communicator, how how do we spot this? Like, because it's becoming the technology is becoming better. I feel like um, a couple of years ago, when you saw these deep fake photos or videos, it was it was pretty detectable. But but it's getting smarter and smarter. And to your credit, you've just explained why. So how do we verify the integrity of a source? So just to pick up on what you just said, right? I mean, that is the problem for communicators, right? Um, is that you get it's called truth decay. Right. It's it, it becomes kind of like an information nihilism, right, where everybody says, I don't know if this is real anymore. But as communicators, right, we are storytellers. That is our main thing. We're going to try to tell people a story and we hope they're going to believe us. And that requires trust. If there's zero trust anymore and everybody says, eh, I don't know. You know, I mean, Karen, if that is really true, mm, I, you know, it, it becomes harder and harder. And at one point, it, you just don't get anything through anymore. Mm -hmm. And there's also an idea of it's called flooding the zone, right? And disinformation players do this, that they just put so much garbage out um, that it comes virtually impossible to, for, for, for recipients of the communication to sort out what's true or not. And um, there's another term that works with that. It's called the liar's dividend, right? It's like crying wolf. Right. If you lie a hundred times, then 
you know, something is true, you can even deny that, right? There was a fantastic example. It's the most, it's the weirdest example of any deep fake. There was a girl who was, I think she was in a soccer, no, cheerleader team. And she was smoking and got caught on video. And somebody wanted to slander her, kick her off the team. There was some teenage rivalries, right? And um, she was shown smoking. So like, oh, no, that was a deep fake. And the entire thing blew completely out of proportion. It went to the uh, Supreme Court of that state. I forgot what it was, right? Because somebody said, oh, somebody deepfaked that and it's illegal and whatsoever. And at the end, nobody really knows what really happened. It was most probably not a deepfake. And the team just said it because it was expedient, right? But it became this huge thing, right? And went through the courts. And 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 just because she could deny it, she was like, no, that's a deepfake. Right. That is the biggest, biggest risk. So what can we do about it? So it really depends a little bit of where everybody is. Right. So first of all, individual communicators can do certain things. I will come to that in a, in, in a minute. But one thing is also this is something that is larger. Right. The, the entire information sphere, social media, the tech giants. Right. Disinformation. That is not something that we are going to solve as individual communicators. This is something at such a large scale that at the end of the day, only lawmakers, regulators, and the big tech giants will be able to sort this out. They have algorithms that go through their basically all the videos that are being uploaded and just check them if they're deepfakes or not. The problem is that most deepfakes, especially in the United States, are protected on the First Amendment, right? Um, you can, it, it's freedom of speech. You can just put this out and nobody can tell you not to do it. Um, you could go after them afterwards for libel, libel, slander, whatever it may be. But putting the videos themselves out is not illegal per se, right? The European Union is a little bit more stringent with that. They came up and they're coming up with more legislation that is outlawing um, deep fake use and political sphere and only really like allowing it for commentary and satire. There are certain states in the United States that have outlawed certain types of deep fakes, but that hasn't been tested in court yet. It's not quite clear if that is going, to, if those laws are really going to stand. Um, so again, right, the platforms need to do something about it. The regulators need to do something about it. Now let's come to what can we do as communicators. Number one is education, education, education. If you don't know what it is, and you don't spot it and you're not literate in it. And as we talked about it before, Photoshop, we learned how to live with Photoshop, right, up to a certain point. And we will have to get the same amount of literacy when it comes to voice, moving images and all that kind of stuff, right? That's just there is no quick way around it. Um, if, if, if it's malicious or disinformation, we need to treat it like any other um, malicious media or disinformation right? We need to have a crisis communication plan, right? And see like a debunking plan, right? Or pre-bunking plan. Could it, are we easy targets? Is it likely that we're going to be targeted, right? You run your crisis communication planning and it's different between organizations, right? So if you're in the political sphere, if you're in the LGBTQ plus sphere, right? Nonprofit, unfortunately, you're much more likely to be targeted by trolls, and um, then you have to be prepared for this, right? If you're working for other companies, your risk might not be that high. But that is something that you simply have to factor into your crisis communication planning. And again, like you do pre-debunking, right? You have 
in your in your planning, your debunking, how you're going to answer to that after the fact. But you don't want to be caught like the deer in the headlight, right? You will you want to be like, I got this, I know what this is. I have a protocol for this. Or pre-bunking, there was a video out of the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, where he was asking his forces to surrender. That was fake, right? It was not very well done, but they had already said before, and we're waiting for the Russians to put out a video right, like that. So when it came out, everybody was like, ah, we know what that is, right? And it really didn't gain any traction, right? Yeah. So that is also a tool you can use. And yeah. monitor your media, right? There is, you know, Meltwater, Hootsuite, Pulsar, there are all these media monitoring platforms, and they have partnered up with NewsGuard right by now. NewsGuard is a company in the webpage that rates um, news sources by their veracity, right? Mm-hmm. So you can look with your search terms at your social media stream in real time. Because if there's a deep fake or something on the periphery, it's not necessarily going to affect you, right? But once this becomes viral or you really see it's getting retweeted, it's being distributed, right? That is when you want to be able to step in and say like, all right, we really got to get into gear here because once that comes out at scale, we need to be able to answer to that. And also partner, depending on the on the size of your organization, what you do. There are consultants by now that really specifically focus on that. So it may be worth to talk to them, right? If you're a very large organization that is at risk, maybe have them on speed dial. And what we also need to do on a larger scale, because the biggest risks are really in the political arena, right? Yeah. Um, if uh, because in, in Gabon, there was an example where a deep fake triggered a coup. Right. Um, Because they didn't know if the president was real, who was on television and everybody cried deep fake. Right. And it created so much uncertainty and unrest that the military tried to stage a coup. Right. So there is this is this is not just uh, futuristic stuff that may happen. There have been instances where where uh, CEOs transferred money because somebody cloned the voice of uh, and and just asked to transfer money. So we also have to um, help other countries like have something like for example like the world health organization just for information right mm-hmm. that if for example a country is targeted that cannot handle these kind of attacks that the industrialized nations can step in and offer them assistance yeah so yeah, yeah. that is that is how we deal with it yeah well i'm encouraged we said three things that are very familiar to pr practitioners number mm-hmm. one is building trust. We know how important that is. When you have built trust and you keep putting blocks on that foundation of trust, which means being true to who you are as a brand, being true to your company's vision, mission, and values, and saying and acting and doing things that are completely aligned, your audience really begins to know who you are and who you trust. And when something comes that is completely outside of that, your audience will be more likely to trust you and to, to distrust the misinformation. So we know about that. We know about building trust and protecting our client's reputation by building that foundation of integrity. The second thing that you said is monitoring, which is another tool that is very familiar to PR pros. So monitoring can help us to keep control of that messaging and ensure that what's out there is really truthful. And then the third thing that you said, I don't remember. <laughs> crisis, crisis plan, pre-bunking, pre-bunking and debunking. I love that term, pre-bunking. One of my 
favorite parts of this job is is proactive crisis communications planning. And so I am definitely going to, because I've been guilty of not calling out deep fakes and crisis plans, but from this point on, I will be very mindful about that as well and having a plan around that because I've I've just not done it. So thank you mm-hmm. for, you know, equipping me with something that I wasn't doing and helping our audience to to be better prepared. It is pretty scary and and I think, you know, we know that it's possible in our corporate realms, although we've seen it here in the United States more in politics and it's one of the things that has driven the the division in our country. We're so divided and you hear people all the time saying you know, they're even divided around what outlets they believe and which ones they don't. And some of those beliefs are so deeply entrenched that you couldn't, you know, you couldn't convince people to continue to be neutral, to research, to check, to fact check, and then to go beyond that and fact check. You know, there are some people that believe that even the sources that we know are that we can go to, to check information, they don't believe those either. So there's a portion of the country we won't be able to help, but even for consumers becoming more educated around, you know, doing your research and not accepting things at face value is probably a good lesson to take away. Yeah, definitely. If I may tie into one thing that you mentioned about the crisis communication planning, right? That is something that is very important. So deep fakes come from a very unappetizing corner of the internet. The first instances of deep fakes come um, from porn website, right? Where They use footage of celebrities and put it on the faces of porn actors, right? Non-consensual porn. And what has happened, and that is something that needs to be factored in crisis communication planning, that deepfakes doesn't um, target a company. It targets a person usually, right? And if you, for example, have a woman of color who works in the LGBTQ plus uh, sphere, right? And that that person becomes a target of a smear campaign like that. It is not just your reputation, your professional reputation that suffers, right? It, It is assaulting you as a person. And there have been instances where that happened. So I think companies that feel they may be at risk need to basically also think about this, right? That they support people if something like that may happen, not just from a professional point of view, but understand that this is far more wide reaching and that they will take that home, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is important to mention that that needs to be part of a crisis communication plan. Like once they go home, let's not just say, all right, reputation is safe, but let's help them if they become victims of an attack. That's a really good point because you're right. I mean, it is the person that gets targeted and I think the people who, you know, we have a lot of PR pros that are very active and they're very active in community and worldwide and societal issues. And they, they serve clients that are very outspoken advocates as well. So if you're on the wrong side of an issue in some people's minds, that definitely makes you a target. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about, you know, miss mal disinformation and the negative aspects of deep fakes and synthetic media, but talk a little bit about, you know, this technology and the positive and how it can be a help to us. 100%. And that is also something where we need to educate ourselves because mm-hmm. the fear of the medium prevents us from using it and also shine as communicators, right? So 
that synthetic media stuff. You can do incredible stuff with that, right? The text to image, right? You create things that were impossible for that, especially for no low budget stuff. There was a video with uh, David Beckham, right? Where he had a malaria PSA and he spoke four or five different languages, right? There is a company that is called uh, Synthesia, and um, you can basically, it's kind of like a rented deepfake, right? If you want to do a PSA, you don't want to hire the filmmakers in the studio and everything. You just type it. And they have an entire library of people who will just put it up for you. And it's, it's obviously much cheaper. You can change stuff at any point because it's not filmed. It's synthetic, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And they're going to blow up. I think it's, it's, it's a pretty neat business model that they're having. It. So there are a lot of fun stuff. Kendrick Lamar just came out with a video, right, where he basically morphed into different deep fakes of other artists right so there is a lot of creative potential out there so it's not just a downside and and you can shine if you master this technology you can pitch this stuff and everybody's going to be impressed that's great that's great so that's that's one thing we can look forward to in the future what what overall do you see as the future outlook you know we we know there's the of course the dark side but when we use our powers for good (laughs) Well, it's it's always going to be in the middle. I mean, I think yeah. disinformation and, and deepfakes are part of that is a real yeah. problem. We are gonna have to address that because if we're if we are honest so far, the dark side is winning a little bit. Okay. Right. The information sphere has really degraded over the last couple of years. So there definitely needs to be stuff. Having said that, the tech always is faster than regulators, right? If you look at the, yeah. there's a lot, the European Union had a lot of legislation by now. And if they have it, the tech platforms will have to do it worldwide because it's very hard for them to just to scale it for individual countries. Right. You also see legislation here. So hopefully some stuff is going to be sorted out. And one thing is like everything is going to become much more immersive, right? And that's that's basically next stage really with deepfakes, the metaverse, right? People just have avatars, right? Yeah. You may just have a scanner camera a 3d scanner camera a lighter out there right that just reads you and you can be in the metaverse you can be a pink pink zebra if you choose to do so right i mean it's like and that all has risks but it also has a lot of creativity right and and the deepfake technology that you can basically just take somebody's likeness and translate it into something else is basically part of the underpinning of the metaverse. So there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff happening on that front. Well, I really like this. And I think, you know, for all of us, you, you know, I love that you said that, like, had a lot of negative associated with it. But we can't, you know, to use the old expression, um, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. It's embracing all of it, understanding how to navigate the next. Because when you look at the t- just the technology and the possibilities, my brain is turning with, wow, there's some cool things that you can do for your clients. And it can be a game changer because it's not something that everyone is able to offer. So being able to offer richer storytelling mediums and vehicles just seems really exciting to me. I'm still a little blown away too that. So Natalie Portman didn't dance in the black swan. <laughs> I mean, not. I want to like one ballerina, but you showed like a whole cast of <laughs> ballerinas and I'm just still a little stunned by some of the stuff you shared. So I'm going to take the afternoon and really have to, <laughs> Sit on this. <laughs> and, and, and it's so true. I mean, just when we thought, you know, we were getting a handle on, you know, social media with, you know, the, I hate to say the word, fake news stories and, and bots on Twitter, you know, now I think I'm so smart. You're a bot. And now... Okay. 
I see there is so much more to be suspicious of, but forewarned is forearmed, which is good. So now we're yeah. all a little bit smarter. Thanks to you, Axel. We really appreciate you. And yeah. this was chock full of great information that is just going to be so helpful to all of us as communicators and and just as, as consumers of content too, because I think, like you said, education, that is so important and we cannot, we cannot lose that race. But And just to close the cycle of where I started, yeah. communication will become more technical. Right. And there is no way around it if we like it or not. Right. And and also when we embrace it. Right. Uh, we get the creative juices flowing. Right. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, there's a lot of emerging technologies. Find me on LinkedIn. Axel Eberman. I uh, post about that stuff all the time. Right. So, They're making kind of three dimensional fish tanks right now where you, you don't have Zoom on Zoom anymore, but you see it in 3D and stuff. I mean, there's a st lot of stuff happening on that front. Right. So if, if I, I post about that stuff all the time because it interests me and it's also my background, that's a good source. Excellent. And we will definitely have um, your contact information in our show notes. And yes. we encourage, you know, our communicators who joined us live today to, to rewatch this video and take some good notes on um, check out the show notes when they come out on Monday, share this episode, you know, the visual episode or the podcast that we'll produce on Monday morning, because this is a really important information for communicators. And we want to not keep this good stuff to ourselves, but share it with in our industry. Axel, I cannot thank you enough for being with us today and educating us. And I am sure that we are going to have an opportunity to chat with you again. This has been amazing. Hopefully you really are Axel and not bot Axel. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, next next time, maybe give us a test. We'll see if we pass. Yeah, I should show up the next time just with a different face and just see what you... <laughs> oh, oh, there are days that I think, oh, could I do something with this face? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> could, right. I, could I have a little work done without having the work done? Anyway. Yeah. You, you can already. I mean, that's, that's by the way, it's the same technology, right? The filters yeah. that take out your wrinkles and eyeshadows and all that kind of stuff that yeah. you can do on Zoom stuff by now. It is kind of the same stuff, yeah. right? It's just, yeah. it's just, uh, it just changes more, right? The, but the idea is the same. Yeah. Well, this Love has been it. incredible. Well, thank you, Axel. Thank you to our listeners out there. And we so appreciate you and everyone listening. And until next time, thanks for joining us on That Solo Life. Mm -hmm.